Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. I'm going to start this episode by talking because I feel figure loud blender noises would just be offensive to everybody listening to this yeah we tried it but uh, <laughs> we got the sound spiking too much on our recorder a little bit too uh too much to do that to you guys so and quite honestly it's not the same unless i actually get vince from slap chop here to do it himself that's not blender noises it's slap chop i'm sure he's the- i'm sure he's got some sort of blender on the market that's the like- whole thing about slap chop you just slap in there's no noise no mess no nothing that has to be the worst product of all time it's There's like no way does, that thing works. It's like he, I, I heard he does an okay job with just like quickly chopping up some vegetables, but I don't know, learn how to use a knife like a normal person. How does yes. it, how does it work for top lines? Oh, you just uh, stick your Bertuzzi in there. You can stuff most of a Mantha in there. You got to leave the Larkin out, but you just do that one after you leave the Larkin on the top line, presumably. Okay. Yeah. Uh, God. Wow. Slap chop is how we're starting this episode. Slap chop. Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. I'm Ryan Hanna. I'm Brad Crisco. I'm Evan. You did it, man. I made it. I'm proud of you. Yeah. <laughs> I yep. played I played the opening to the last episode because uh, I was listening for audio stuff uh, while I was at home editing. And Mel goes, did he say I'm tired again? <laughs> I am tired. I'm always tired. Here's the thing. Waking man. up in the pitch dark at 7 a.m. is horrible. I, w- I would wish for sunlight at all times. Do you not get morning light? No, um, I think we do in like the spring and the summer, but towards the fall, we don't. Mm. So now it's literally like a, it may as well be 8 p.m. at night when I wake up. I feel like you should move to Finland. Yeah, but they have winter all the time. Yeah. And they have no sun in this winter. And then in the summer, you get nothing but sun. It'd be a fun roller coaster for you. <laughs> yeah. When I was in Sweden in June, it was 4 a.m. and it was blue sky. That would never. I thought I woke work. up late. I was like, "Oh shit!" And like I like was like like getting all flustered. And then I looked at my phone. It was four or four thirty in the morning. Oh, you said PM. I was like, "Yeah, that is late to wake up, Evan." Oh, no, <laughs> sorry. No, AM. Oh, I was trying to follow along here. Uh, speaking of audio, last or a couple episodes ago, when we got uh, when we upgraded our equipment, we told you guys, uh, you know, keep an eye out for anything that's going wrong or anything that sounds different because we want to make sure make sure we're staying on top of it. We've done a good job of teaching ourselves like audio production but we're not audio engineers and then i think one of the very next episodes or the next episode we interviewed darren mccarty and if you haven't listened go back and listen to our most previous our most recent episode we interviewed darren mccarty and uh, on our call with him unbeknownst to us uh he was going on and off of speakerphone <laughs> uh people have different preferences when we interview them some of them are down for skype or, or something else but um he just wanted a phone call and when we're on the call with him we can't tell we don't notice anything, but when we record the call and he's he has speakerphone on, <laughs> so I'm listening and it just sounds like he's speaking from the ethereal realm because of all of the echo. And I was just like, oh, god damn it. I mean, if anyone gets a pass, it's Darren McCarty. But the way we're going to remedy that, that is by just bringing the studio to him next time. This is true. Which is actually what we have planned. So hope you guys enjoyed that interview and um, hope the audio or the uh, echo wasn't too bad. The lights don't seem as bright. Maybe that could make our sound better if you turned it up a little bit. Is the, uh, I thought that too, the lights aren't as aggressive. Is that because... Do I have a fine crisp over my eyes now? And that's why I don't sense the brightness of the lights? It might be, yeah. We might we might have burned out our retinas a little bit. Or maybe the lights are getting dimmer. No, they're definitely not getting dimmer. Don't look right at them. 
Hope all of you. Oh. <laughs> so Evan immediately <laughs> turns and looks right at it. I hope everyone watching on YouTube enjoys the lighting. Because yeah, it's it, not for us. <laughs> I I am awake for 14 straight hours after. Yeah, who needs caffeine? This no. is Finland at four in the morning. Yeah. Oh, truly, it is. Uh, this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast is, of course, brought to you by Labat Blue and Labat Blue Light. Uh, we want you guys to uh, hashtag Celion with Labat Blue uh, and the Detroit Red Wings all season long. Uh, find specially marked cases of Labat Blue and Labat Blue Light at your local retailer. Uh, again, to hashtag Celion. Again, we we have to. Find find a different hashtag as well hashtag Celion, something red wings related um labat blue and labat blue light official canadian beers of the detroit red wings an official beer of watching the red wings uh on this west coast road swing and needing something to hold you over uh like a nice crisp labat blue because you shouldn't be having caffeine that late at night this road swing i forgot how much late games suck i had a practice tuesday night got home at first intermission watched the second period Went to bed because that was bad. <laughs> We're gonna start with that. I'm, I'm I'm happy we brought up something so happy or uh, so positive as just enjoying a beer to help you through that game because you definitely did need one to get through that game. Yeah. Um, what was the phrase I used on Twitter when I got home, looked at the score, and described the game? Uh, aggressively regressing to the mean. Yeah, I yeah. think is how I phrased it. Now here's the thing. This is. Game one after traveling literally across the continent uh, for a team that is battered by injuries and has one and a half functioning lines. Um, the story of the night was Mike Green. Mike Green had a career night in all of the worst ways. I don't want to sit here and just completely tear into the guy and say, this is why we lost. No, the Red Wings lost because they're objectively the worst team and they played like it. Like, that's just the fact of the matter. There's going to be a lot of games like this. Worth noting, though, the Canucks are not exactly an elite team. No. And that's, I think, what made this game difficult because it's not it's kind of like when Detroit beat Toronto. They did such a good job of shutting down their top six or top nine players. We, didn't, top be, six we players. didn't beat Toronto. Or sorry, when they played Toronto. They did such a good job uh, job of shutting down their top six players. Toronto still won, but it wasn't even with their, like, their wealth of talent or superstars. We were just... It was Ilya Mikheyev and Nick Shore. That's boring. If you're going to beat us, have Austin Matthews score five times. Well, at least Pedersen scored on us from... Oh, man. He had that... Uh, he had this dangle in the offensive zone where he just, like... He was on his knees to start, and then he pulled the puck in, and then he pulled an inside out on someone who's standing still and turned him around. I'm like, oh... That so drafted right before Rasmussen? Uh, like four picks before. Four picks. That, yeah. He was drafted fifth. Rasmussen went ninth, I believe. I remember in our preseason mock draft, we had Pedersen going to the Red Wings. We oh, did. how I wish that would have come to fruition. Remember when we were all rattled, we didn't get Gabe Velarde? Uh, yeah, we didn't realize the degenerative back disease or uh, injury he had. Well, I wasn't big on Velarde. I was pissed we passed on. I think it was Suzuki and... Liljegren I had at up at the time. Yeah. Both of which I'm yeah. <clears throat> Anyways. Yep. Yep. I uh I still have bad dreams about Liljegren, but we're not going to we're not going to do that today. That's not what we're doing. He doesn't look elite, so there's the He might not even be great. He might just be good. We're going to talk about the Red Wings against the Canucks. Okay, Mike Green. Uh one terrible giveaway that led directly to an offensive chance which turned into a goal. Uh two penalties in which he went into the box and sat there for maybe five seconds of play before they scored uh just wasn't good the whole night here's the thing not nothing that he did outside of the penalties which i could happen to any player really um 
was ex- exceptionally surprising. This has been Mike Green's game for a long time now because, oh boy. Someone uh, just got powerbombed. <laughs> Mike, Mike Green's upstairs and he's pissed. Uh, this has been his game for a long time now. Like Mike Green, when he started, I might have gone on this rant before, but Mike Green, when he started, what people were saying he's not they're reliable in the defensive zone. And they'd say, well, he's a good uh, offensively. And we're saying, well, he's not producing as much offensively. He doesn't score as much anymore. Um, well, and then they'll say, well, he's a good puck mover. He has good zone exits and zone en- or the occasional zone entry. <laughs> He's, his zone exits have been very bad, like just passing to the other team. Like it's not even a turnover; it's actually just a registered pass to the other team. Um, and I think this is because he's not adapting his game. There's been no transition in his game as he's aged, as he's not able to do the things physically that he used to be able to do. There's been no simplification of his game, and I think that's what he needs to do. There's no need for him to be falling off a cliff this badly the guy still has the intelligence and the ability to play the game he just has to change how he does it i don't know if it's that it could very well be that and that's the more logical answer but i think i even kind of in passing mentioned it after the stars game because these are the type of things you pick out a lot easier when you're actually in the building and watching the full thing he seemed very i don't want the best word to describe this is passive on the ice very disinterested there was no urgency in his game he wasn't moving hard to pucks he wasn't putting any real mustard on his passes or throwing the body not that's that's his game he just he was there mm-hmm. he was a guy but he was a guy who wasn't fighting for a job if that makes sense because you get six to ten guys on any NHL roster at any point, but those guys know they could get sent down at any minute, so they they bust their bag off. I just... Mike Green looks like he does not care to be there this year. Maybe that's because his body's catching up to him and he physically can't go any faster than he is, which is a bigger problem if that's the case because everything you just mentioned... Yeah. But if he's not, well, then what the heck is going on here? They... The thing with this team right now is every time we talk about a player who's underperforming, it's always, always, always implied that it's okay this year if the Red Wings are deploying them more often than not because this team's version of success isn't success. It's not wins and points in the standings because that's it's a foregone conclusion that that's not going to be an attainable measure or an attainable achievement that's going to mean anything in the end other than, you know, 10 points in the last five games that'll launch you up the standings out of the lottery. Um, but the Red Wings did have a lot of expectations from Mike Green this year, especially playing in a top four role. It's important that he plays a sound game because there's young players who need to develop with him. You know, you don't, the, the reason Danny DeKaiser is playing good hockey again is, yeah, he's living up to his contract now or, or it's getting closer to living up to his contract, but also he's playing with Hronik. Hronik needs stable defense. Ronick needs someone who he can rely on, learn from, and use uh, as a backstop in case he wants to join the rush or uh, step up in the offensive zone. So Green not playing as well as the team is wanting him to play actually is problematic. Um, It's not, again, I don't want to say it's surprising because we've been talking about this for some time. Uh, It's just unfortunate to see at this juncture because it's like something's got to change because there's no one else to put up there. It's really only been it's a matter of time that Mike Green's fallen off a cliff. Yeah. He had elite offensive talent with very sub elite sub average defensive ability. So the fact that he's riddled with injuries every single year 
Um, his offense is pretty much dried up. Um, I think it was a matter of when, not if. Oh, for sure. Um, how old is he? 30. 33, 34? So no, he's, he's still old. 34, I would say. I mean, he's got the body of an 80-year-old man. He turned. Oh, he turned 34 five days ago. Oh. Nailed it. Happy yeah. belated birthday. <laughs> Happy birthday, Mike Green. <laughs> Happy birthday, Mike Green. You kind of suck now. Yeah, well, um, again, it's is it the end of the world? No, of course not. Depending on your view on tanking. I mean, we're not there yet. At but... least we're not in a position where we were taking a step to be a contender and we were really hoping for something out of Mike Green this year and he falls off a cliff. We were hoping for something out of Mike Green well, this year. Ideally, it would have been a second-round pick. Yeah, I don't know about that anymore. No, nobody, no <laughs> contenders taking him as Honestly, he is he right now. he goes on an absolute bender. Hanging on to Mike Green for that, I can't remember, it was two years ago now, hanging on to him that entire year because they wanted to see where the team was at the trade deadline, and then having him break two vertebrae in his neck like four games before the deadline. Dude, that was last year, wasn't it? No. No, it was the year before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Last, year, last, year was the, <laughs> last year was the liver issue. Yeah, but you know what? Last year, he wasn't going to get traded for anything of, of consequence. And this year, he's not getting traded. No. There's no... I don't even think he would get moved. Uh, he might get moved on name value. I could see a team who is lacking scoring from the back end trade for him as their sixth defenseman and second power play guy. Yeah, maybe. But not for much. Not for much at Winnipeg, all. Winnipeg, come on down. You know what? Isn't he from Winnipeg? Or No, he's from Alberta. Isn't he Calgary? Something yeah, bad. he's from Calgary. He's from Whatever, Calgary. Western Canada. It's a big, small place. Speaking of which, the Red Wings play in Calgary in two hours after recording this podcast. So this is another evening where uh, the late game is a little bit of a tough one to work around. So we're recording before. So any opinions uh, or anything like that that uh, don't exactly hold up to the most recent game? Now nope, you know I why. stand by my opinion. Okay, here we're gonna we'll go through. We'll each do some quick analysis of the game. Analysis? Analysis is. I'll go. <laughs> it was a great game for the Red Wings. You go. It was a bad game for the Red Wings. Evan, you go. It was an overtime loss or something. Okay. Uh, boy, that top line played great for the six shifts they played together. Jimmy Howard really snuck one out there, and I was super impressed with Philip Peronik and Danny DeKaiser on the back end. What a great game that was! Well, let's talk about let's talk about the top line being split up. Do we have to? Yo, it's the main story of the episode. They released the projected lines, and the lines were the same. They were the same. Yeah, it, to be fair to Blash, he was considering tinkering with the top Everybody's line. Everybody's all butthurt as soon as Blashell's blender comes out. Listen, if he wants to throw the entire bottom line into an absolute blender that makes no sense and just literally spits guys out in random spots, I'm okay with it right now. That bottom nine's been bad, hence why he's considering take, tinkering with the top line. If you drop an Anthony Mantha onto the second line, sure, that line instantly becomes more dangerous, but obviously the counter to that is that top line no longer is elite so i can see the reasoning behind it it's wrong and bad but i can see the reasoning was there behind um any reports of who would be going on to the first line well no it was i, I think it was just a little soundbite from blashill where they asked him because <laughs> basically the first line is producing and randomly the fourth line is producing and but they didn't last game no they 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 did generate some chances. It definitely wasn't their best game. Yeah. Uh, Larkin scored thirty seconds into the game. By the way, it was a great play. Um, let's talk about that for two seconds because it's the the small bit of happiness from that game. Uh, Mantha was bringing the puck through the the slot, kind of moving upwards. And then this is what gets me about this line is they have so much inherent chemistry. And if you want to know what chemistry is, just watch that play. Mantha's moving away from the net at a slight angle. His body is positioned away from Larkin, but he's aware that Larkin's coming in from ben, uh, beneath the defenders 
Mantha's eyes aren't on Larkin. Just hooks his stick a little bit, slides the puck right through the defenseman's legs, right to Larkin, who comes in, unfettered break, and buried the puck. It was just so perfect the whole way through. I was like, that's exactly why that line meshes, that right there. Like, they're just so in sync. Don't. Don't. Yep. Don't. I'm thinking it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can see it on yep. both of you. Uh, everything else, though. Yeah, the the Abdulkader, uh, Dillarose, Helm had their moments, actually. There was a one point where Helm spun around on the backhand and passed the puck from the corner to Abdulkader, who's crashing the net, who put the puck on net. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but in general... The occasional Athens CU break. Nothing. I, nothing of consequences. Did oh, Franz Nielsen play? No, but he's back in, I believe, tonight. So are we finally going to see Hiroshi Nielsen, Athens CU back together? Because that's the line tinkering that should happen. Reunite yeah. a line that worked for you last year. I believe it'll be Nielsen centering that line. If he plays, it's all kind of up in the air. Uh, Nemeth, DeKaiser, and Ernie were all doubtful for today. Nemeth, what? Yeah. This was as of yesterday from Helene St. James. Um, Namath, I think, might go. DeKaiser had that. Ri- oh, yeah. DeKaiser sat out the Vancouver game because he had just a random upper body injury he got from a so, morning uh, skate. As 11. as Okay. So we can talk fully properly in this conversation. As of 11 minutes ago, the Red Wings tweeted, top line, Bertuzzi, Larkin, Mantha. Second line, Athanasiu, Nielsen, Glendening. So close. Ugh. Third line, and Philpola, Hirose. That will be a defensive disaster. Uh, and... <laughs> And then Helm Della Rose Abdulkader Daly is on the top pairing with Heronic. Hmm. Uh, Nemeth is with Green. Chalosky is with Biega. And Howard is starting. So that's. And then they said DeKaiser and Ernie game time decisions. Ernie, was that from uh, the forearm shiver that Tyler Myers gave him? Sure. Look, I, I know Ernie was part of that scuffle, and I'm not saying he shouldn't have been penalized. But if you're six foot seven and you give someone a forearm to the face when they're on their knees, like that's just a coward's move, right? Yep, hundred percent. Shame on the refs for missing that, and shame on the league for not doing anything about it. I'm actually really surprised about that. That wasn't cool. Ernie did go down because less because he was hurt and more because he wanted to protect himself. Wait, um, what happened? Ernie and Myers got into a scuffle, and Ernie had him in a headlock and was really just dumbing him. For the whole I'd, time sh- the I'd forearm shiver him too. While he was on his knees? While I was in a headlock at one point, no. getting dummied? Yeah, but you're six foot seven. Don't get dummied. <laughs> well, don't put me in a headlock, Ryan. That's you know what? Fine. That's cool. Um yeah, weird injuries, but we're gonna be seeing this all season. Line defensive combos I'm not terribly concerned about. It's going to be a mess all season. I don't know. Trevor Daly, I feel like Peronic has its concerns for me. <laughs> yeah, well, we saw what Trevor Daly's positioning did to Moritz Sider during the preseason, threw them all for a loop. So I don't see a lot of defensive accountability, especially with Heronic, who excels when he's able to play his offensive game. Just pray for Jimmy. Who else are you going to put there, though? Chalosky. Blashill's been playing them together a good chunk this season. Yeah, but then you have nothing else down the lineup. You have uh, Green and Nemeth. And you have Biega and Daly. Yeah. Oh, you're right. boy. <laughs> yeah. You're, no. Yep. Good point. Uh, Biega <laughs> didn't see a ton of ice time, I don't believe. Uh, from what I saw of him, it's essentially what like what was described. He's feisty. He works his butt off. He looked like he was trying to do a lot out there, possibly too much, but it didn't really hurt. He had the puck in the offensive zone uh, a couple times along the blue line, and I saw some really good puck movement laterally ac- across 
laterally across the blue line, but it was almost like he was just trying to do too much to show what he could do. Good skater, works hard, fine as a seventh defenseman or sixth on this team. You or could fifth. just say that description and insert almost anyone's name on our team. Good skater? No, like, <laughs> what, what team are you watching? tries hard. That, I have a hard time giving anyone that label. Our team is all just a bunch of people who try hard, but they have no NHL-level talent. I don't think the aging veterans try hard, really. Speaking of defensemen, uh, there's been rumors that Erickson's been close to coming off IR. He hasn't come off IR as of today. It was a little bit surprising to me. I was expecting this to go on a little bit longer, but if he does, then that'll be um, more bodies for the team to be able to use, which I think will be good uh, just for the sake of they have no one else to play. Jonathan Erickson is good for the Red Wings. You heard it here, Ryan Hanna, folks. Yeah, I said that. Uh, yeah, I don't know what else to give you. Like, Oh, let's, let's talk about the, the blending of the lines. Yeah. So, Blashill said it. He mentioned that he might have to tinker with the top line or tinker with the lineup to s- spread out the scoring because no one else is producing. Twitter melted down. Here's the thing. It was bound to happen. We all know it was going to happen. And even if it doesn't happen tonight against Calgary or tomorrow night against Edmonton, it's going to happen at some point. You know what's going to happen after that? The lines will come back together. Yeah, probably. We just were hoping he'd make it longer than literally less than what, what's been 11 days. Is that? Oh, yeah. Wow. It's only been 11 October days. October 5th is when it started. What's the date today? Uh, the 17th. Oh, 12 days. 12 sorry. days. 12 days. Sorry. I don't know. It's couldn't even make it two weeks. That's that's hilariously predictable. Right. But what else were you honestly expecting from this team? Oh, no, I expect nothing from this team. Here's the approach. Sorry, this team and how they handle their lines. Here's the thing. And and based on the way Eisenman's done everything this year, I think he very much gets it. But I don't I'm still unsure if the message has been relayed to Blash Hill because some things he's changed for the better. Some things are same old Blash Hill. But for all intents and purposes, the bottom nine forwards on this team don't matter to the future of this team. No, not at all. Athanasiu and Hiroshi, and that's literally it. End of statement. There's nobody else who's going to factor into the long-term success of the Red Wings. The top line is everything. You keep them together because you want them developing together. None of them are older than 25. Yeah, that's the important thing to remember here. I do not care what he does. I like obviously I want to maximize Athens you and Hiroshi, but by and large, I do not care what happens to the bottom nine of this team at any point, whether they call up Rasmussen, Svechnikov, whoever, so on and so forth. Do don't care. But that top line has to stay together because they need to continue to develop to be one of the best lines in the league. If you want this season to be a stepping stone to future success of the Detroit Red Wings, that line is the stepping stone. And if you want this season to be fun for fans. Yeah, at least we are thoroughly entertained 25% of the game when they're on the ice together. I suppose they can do whatever they want on the road, but at home have that line together. I mean, we watch on TV. Yeah, but they want butts in the seats. The uh, I agree with everything that you said. It's objectively right. I don't think anyone can disagree with that fact. Here's the counterpoint that people will make, and I don't even believe it's a counterpoint more than a necessary evil or an... uh, undeniable truth which is that and i tweeted this out something does need to change with at least the middle six but in reality if you break up helm de la rose applicator who cares the bottom nine forwards the spread the scoring does need to come from somewhere else the tinkering 
is going to happen no matter what because of that fact. Uh, the elephant in the room is whether the team can actually do anything. Like, yeah, you can spread out the scoring to try or spread out the talent to try and get scoring from somewhere else, but is the ugly truth, spoiler, yes, the fact that there isn't enough talent or there isn't the right talent on this team to get more than one or one and a half effective lines each game. That is the fact of the matter, but it's not like the team is just going to roll over and admit that, right? Blashell's not going to say, well, you know, Larkin Bertuzzi, Manth has been amazing, and uh, Abdulkader Helm De La Rose have randomly been contributing once every like three or four games, which is more than you expect out of a fourth line. That's been really underproducing in recent years. But uh, yeah, we know there's nothing that can be done about the middle six, so we're just going to leave them as is, and it's going to suck for those six players and for that percentage of the game. A third of the game, you're going to hate watching. It's like, no, you, that's just not going to be how it goes. They're going to try. They're going to shuffle it out. It's going to mess up. It's not. It's going to suck for different reasons. And it's going to just be the sliding puzzle. And then, you know, 20% of the time we're going to have the right picture and the rest of it's going to look distorted because that's just the way this team operates. That's the way Blasha likes to do things. And really, that's the way the NHL operates. You always see coaches do this. Another thing I was thinking about is Blasha doesn't necessarily care about, potentially doesn't care about the future successes of the team if he's not a part of it. Um, oh, that's a hot take. I don't think it's that hot. How many coaches got fired last year in the bottom 10 of teams of the league? Basically everybody but Blashill. Yeah. Right, but he's... So why would he care? His job right now is present and to to win games. Although I do think keeping the top line together yeah. certainly per, uh, helps us win more games. His job is to, f- to figure out how to make the more wins happen at the present time. And if... You know, if you got to spread, try and spread out the the scoring, that's what you got to do. I would buy into that immediacy argument if this was Ken Holland. But Steve Eisman has been one, if only one thing, clear about the fact that this is going to take time. He does not expect wins this season. Oh, (laughs) when you look at the roster, you can can (laughs) definitely say that. But um, it might be like a residual feeling from when Holland. What's Blashell going to do? Sit there with three guys who are producing and all the other lines are getting slaughtered and not. Try and move things around. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's going to happen no matter but what. Move, oh, yeah. Move pieces around below them. And that's, that's what he hasn't really done yet. I mean, well, if he moves Mantha or anyone off the top line down and we still lose, wait, just put him back on the top wait, line and we'll make everybody happy. But now we have Nielsen back and Athanasiu back for the first time this year. And again, according to the projected lineups, before we pile on Blashel to he had he did not change that top line. Exactly. This is, hasn't even happened yet. And... um. Again, you want depth scoring on the second and third lines. Maybe put guys on that line who can score. Now, here's the the f- sad fact of the reality. We have been sitting here all year, and I still maintain it, and I still agree with their opinions that Luke Lindenning has been playing the best hockey of his life. He has one goal that's not on an empty net. He's not an offensive guy. No, he's... He, as good as he's been, should not be on the second line. Now, he's who, the, the counter-argument there is, who else would you put there? The answer is try literally anybody. We The goal of the second line on the Detroit Red Wings in 2019-2020 is not to find guys who can score on the second line. The goal on that line this year is to find guys who can get Athens U going. 
Glendening does not do that. He's not a puck distributor. He's not the guy to hit Athanasiu in stride at the right point. Nielsen could be that guy. We've seen that's it in the past. That's what I was about to say. I think that's what they anticipate that line being. Yeah, is um, Hiroshi, like Nielsen, Hiroshi, and Athanasiu had a fantastic finish to the end of last season, so I'm a little surprised to see Glendening there with Nielsen back instead of Hiroshi, but... Whatever. Just give it like five minutes in the game, Brad. It'll happen. It's it, Either way, it's something different. It's a different look on the second line now. We'll see how it goes. I'm not going to nitpick because, again, I really don't care that much how the bottom nine works. But my ultimate point being, tinker with the bottom nine. See if you can get anything going there before you even think of touching yeah, the top line. Yeah, certainly exhaust all the other options before you take away from the one line that actually does work. And in fairness, that does seem to be what's happening. Yes, yeah, and that's what I prefaced with. Now, Ryan. Now, Nielsen centering Athanasiu does not inspire a lot of confidence, but that's for a whole different slew of reasons. Hey, Athanasiu's back on the wing. It's a start. He's got this. He, Athanasiu has the speed for both of them. So Nielsen just needs to distribute. Uh, Adam Ernie is someone I want to talk about. He's been pretty invisible, huh? No, he's been visible. Offensively, he's a pinball. That is my description of Adam Ernie. He is exactly, much like Biega, exactly what was prescribed. Gives 110%. Stopped Mantha from fighting and breaking his hand, which was great. I that love made, that he did that, that. That made the trade worthwhile It was the whole itself. trade was worth it. Um, he busts his ass. He doesn't shy away from offensive opportunities, but that's where I stop. Because like you've mentioned before, and I think like you've mentioned before, once he gets the puck, there's no offensive anything there he's not dynamic he doesn't look up to make a good first pass he doesn't really drive the puck to the net he just kind of keeps moving in the direction that he was moving in when he got the puck he's a pinball and that's fine i still like adam ernie as that energy guy as a guy who plays solid defense on the third or fourth line great fourth liner yeah but that the hopes of an untapped offensive game that i was talking about a lot this year Nothing's concrete. Again, it's only been a handful of games are quickly diminishing. Who's he going to learn from? Oh, to be a low scoring bottom six <laughs> forward? Buddy, he's got the world in front of him. <laughs> I meant from someone who who has a pedigree of scoring for a long time in the I, NHL. I, you know what? I don't really buy into this whole like players learning from players is being such a dramatic part of their development. I think when you're talking about some something like a guy putting up 20 goals – so much of that is just in their skill. If you have the skills to do it, you'll show it. A good coach will teach you how to shoot better, how to skate better. Good teammates will teach you the same things. Good teammates will teach you how to pick up the puck better off the cycle or where to go in the offensive zone when you don't well, we're have We're going to have it. a lot of bottom six forwards then. What nobody can ever teach a player like Adam Ernie is just natural offensive instinct. It's he such doesn't a complex thing. have it. It's it, nuanced. You, it's one of those things you want to say you can teach a player this, that. It, it's just same thing goes in the defensive zone, natural defensive awareness, like a la a Nick Lidstrom had. Mm-hmm. You have it or you don't. You can teach almost every other part of the game of hockey. You cannot teach that. Adam Ernie apparently has it in spades defensively, does not have it at all offensively. Like we were at the game against Dallas. We watched him on two separate occasions. Just at, stare down his line mate in a perfect position, perfect pass, perfect lane, and just decide to keep skating with it. It's it is he is what he is. Again, so when Advocator or Helm or Della Rose gets injured on the fourth line and they need a fix, he's your guy. And that's fine. If that's what it comes down to, that's fine. If you get a 
fourth line player who plays on your team for like four to six years and you traded a fourth round pick for him, that's a good value trade. Yeah, it's whatever. Yeah, it, it was the trade was supposed to be, you know, he potentially has offensive upside. We gave up almost nothing for it. If he ever ended up having yeah. some offensive ability, we would have been like, this is amazing. It's a this home is run. More than we ever thought we'd get out of it. But I think Emore is what he is than what he's not. And it's still a fair trade. Yeah. And as as his con- or as his year wears on, he either produces and like, great, that's uh, that was unexpected. Or he doesn't. And his extension or if he wants to stay with the team will be sure as hell will be cheap. Right. You want a oh, cheap yeah. third or fourth line grinder with play- who plays good defense and has a ton of energy. Awesome. Bring him in cheap. Uh, last thing I want to talk about Svechnikov just before they made the trip to Vancouver or was it the game prior uh, was sent down to Grand Rapids uh, so he had his entire stint up in Detroit sat in the press box and didn't play a game and went back down uh, what that boils down to is the team had a lot of uncertainty surrounding injuries which fair um, a lot of them they were uncertain as to when those guys were would return they weren't anticipating Nielsen getting hit in the face with the puck um, and they didn't know specifically when Athanasi would come back, so that's why they called him up. But he did never see uh, a game during that stint and then was sent back down to Grand Rapids eventually. But Grand Rapids did see games in that time. Yeah. I still hated this. I, uh, well, I, is he is he hurt? Do we know? Do we not know? It's the only reason I can think of because there's no good reason why they would have brought him up just to sit him when they could have. Well, like, I guess we'll see at the next Grand Rapids game if he plays. We know yeah. it's all BS, and if he doesn't, maybe they just got him to Detroit to get their medical staff looking at him. Well, we talked about this right, practicing with the team, getting involved with the systems, like getting the team doctors team doctors monitoring that reconstructed ACL. There's a lot of different reasons why. And also, maybe it's just Occam's razor, right? Maybe it's the simplest solution. They brought him up. They thought, maybe we have to play him. He's going to be our first call-up. If we don't, all right, sucks, but we need to have him here in case we need him. So that's that. And they view him as a guy who they know is already going to dominate the AHL. He's demonstrated that he has that ability. So if he misses one or two games, what's the big deal? And... I tend to agree. I'll buy that. Like, I, I'm not too torn up about the fact that he missed a game or two in the A. Was that how much it was? I think it was just a game. It was against Rockford, right? Yeah. It certainly would have been nice to get him in the Red Wings lineup, considering the void of secondary scoring we have. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if, if he's there and he's not injured, he should have at least seen a game. It does. It wouldn't. It's not the way I would have handled it. Right? Like, it's definitely not how I would have well, done geez, it. Well, geez, when we have uh, Steve Eisenman on the podcast, you can let him know. Write this down. Well, when do we have him scheduled on in a couple of weeks? Oh, yeah. would that, would oh, that... The schedule is full. The guest <laughs> list is full right now. Yeah, now, it, again, we don't know, though. It, it could be Eisenman's decision to recall Svechnikov, but is it his decision or Blaschel's decision to put him in the his, lineup? It's Eisenman's. Let's be real. Eisenman's not giving Blaschel an iota of control over something that he wants to happen. And I think we've seen that demonstrated. Jeff Blaschel's seat is so hot he can't sit down if he the chair is lava yeah the chair is lava someone asked me recently they're like what's your take on jeff blashill and where he is right now i think jeff blashill's seat was hot and i think when steve eisman came in he did his assessment and he's said implicitly and explicitly this team needs a lot of work we're not going to see wins right now and i think that removed the immediate need for success from blashill that need to succeed sorry for rhyming uh has been lifted from him for the time being. All they want him to do is be able to develop players. He has a good rapport with Eisenman. 
He has a good reputation across the league. Yeah, everybody likes that guy. He's genuinely a smart hockey mind. Like he's a very smart hockey mind. There's whether you're not whether or not you agree with his coaching tactics, he's a smart hockey guy. Uh, so the Eisman has no reason to shake things up and move him right now. If some things are going well, and those some things are the things that you need need to be going well right now, yeah, you keep Jeff Blashill. But here's the kicker: the moment Eisman builds or starts to turn the corner on this rebuild in a way where he thinks success should start to come, I don't think Blashill success ha- in terms of wins wins. I don't think Blashill's leash is very long. I think he. Eisenman is not about to screw around and delay a rebuild because a coach can't keep up when the team has been in purgatory for this long. I think the moment they start to cr- turn the corner, the pressure is back on Blashill. I don't think he's on the hot seat right now, but well, the hot seat's in the same room. <laughs> at the end of the day, it's um, a win, a performance business, and we'll see how true those statements hold up as the losses start to pile. I believe your statement. And it certainly makes sense. Like, we're all about player development this year. You know, we're not trying to win. Yeah. Um, But pressure comes from everywhere when the losses start to pile up. So we'll see what does ownership think. They may have a different philosophy. And, you know, it might not be right, but they're the ones who signed the check. Wouldn't that be something? If ownership threw everything that happened with all the pressure to win (laughs) mortgage futures, now they they decide, no, we got to get rid of this Jeff Blaschel guy. You you never know. Fans stop showing up, stop buying tickets. They already have. I know, but even more so. you never know. I'm not saying that no, that's yeah, a, cer- a certain a certainty, but um, you never know. Mm-hmm. Things change all the time. If all of a sudden nobody starts, nobody's showing up, they're not selling tickets, not selling merch. It might shake it up somehow. You don't want an Adam Ernie jersey? Oh, it's it's on the to buy list. That actually has to be your next up, right? I no, I refuse to buy an NHL jersey with his name on it when they're like two hundred bucks. <laughs> there are a lot of bones. Yeah, uh, let's talk about the rest of the league before heading into overtime. Was this jersey in the team store? Probably yeah, not. Everyone's was. Must have was been. it? I don't know. I didn't see many. Uh, the Edmonton Oilers. How long can they maintain this? Uh, Yesterday, how, how long is Connor McDavid's contract for? All, all the years, so they they could just stay in it for a bit longer. Because uh, what was it? Uh, I was I heard a stat today. I, Connor McDavid, Leon Drysaddle, and James Neal scored like seventy percent of the team's goals this year. Does Connor not. McDavid is on a career place in points right now. <laughs> He's got seventeen <laughs> points in seven games. What a chump! He's not even on pace for two hundred. C- those are always like CHL numbers. He's on pace for one hundred and ninety-nine points, <laughs> and it's seven games into the season. That's not a huge sample size, but that's not a tiny sample well, size when either. When you're Connor McDavid and you play eighty percent of the game. It's not out of the the realm of possibilities. Here's the thing. If I gave you five to one odds, but you had to put down $100 on Connor McDavid scoring 150 points, would you take that bet? 100 bucks on five to one? Five to one. I wouldn't do it. I don't I don't love the rest of the team enough. <laughs> hey, I I you just have a- to love Connor McDavid and one competent bum on his line. I think my the point total for me to make that bet mm, – 125, 130. Is that that's almost definitely going to happen, right? If he stays healthy and plays with Leon Dreisaitl, he's definitely going to crush 120. Yeah, oh, 120 for sure. 125, 130 is the okay. I maybe. I want to see what the expected goals were. Oh my god. Yeah. 
the the game against the Flyers, which Edmonton won, or sorry, Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl won. I think the expected goals for Flyers had over triple, over triple Edmonton's expected goals for three point eight seven to one point one two. My God, can you like? Doesn't matter when you have someone like Connor McDavid. That's a game breaker. He is legitimately a game breaker. And let's not sleep on Leon Draisaitl either. Like, that guy is absolutely on fire. He gets a lot of shit, I feel like, too. People are, have been always on the horse of, like, oh, he's what do they have Robin for? to, to Eight Batman. And a half? Yeah. Eight and a half million dollars for a guy who's going to be a consistent 100-point player People with your other? People scoffed at it. I, I feel like one of us, probably me, scoffed at his contract, too. <laughs> <laughs> at least it's self-aware. I don't care if it was. So, well, we're all wrong. I mean... I still love when people are like, you were wrong about this, or you guys should get better with your predictions. My man, if I was better with predictions, we wouldn't be making a podcast I've lost an hour of sleep because of a bad prediction I've made. We talk on this show twice a week. If we're making wrong, or if we're making only right predictions, we are cheating. We have seen into the future, and we're not letting you know. Just throwing it out there, I had Edmonton finishing fourth in the Pacific. Okay, here's the the thing. Is this sustainable? That's not Um, even a good hot take. Fourth, that's like half... Top 50%. Look at this dweeb. He'll yeah, take like, anything, right? I'll take anything because when you predict Edmonton to be at least passable, and they are, it's a monumental moment because it's Edmonton. In seven games, the through seven games, the top three point scores in the NHL are Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, and John Carlson in that order. John Carlson? What? 14 points in eight games. What? Three goals and 11 assists. Six of those points are on the power play. So still a point per yeah, game, well, five on five. Who, who's wow. the leading scorer on Washington? Like... Goals wise, uh, you'll have to give me a little bit for that. Uh, I have a guess. <laughs> it is who? Okay, you each get a guess. Tom get, Wilson, but I know it's not. Since you're getting us to guess, it, I know it's not Ovechkin. So. Or, or this is a ruse, and I've planned all of this. Oh, it's, it's Jacob Verana. Yeah, I was gonna go Verana. <laughs> it is John Carlson. <laughs> oh, he, you said he had three. Three. Oh no, I sorted it wrong. Sorry, sorry. Oh. It was Alex Ovechkin. I juked you all. I <laughs> asked uh, yes, the great misdirect of 2019. I misdirected all three of us. You know, it was, uh, Alex Ovechkin with five, Oshie with four, and then Verona, Kuznetsov, and Carlson are tied at three. Mm. Yeah, Ovechkin with a measly eight points. What a bum. Carlson has that at five on five. What a nerd. No, uh, Edmonton. Getting back to Edmonton. Look, it's not sustainable. But when you have a, a player who's by far and gone the best player in the world, your predictions go out the window. He breaks analytics. He breaks the eye test. He breaks everything. I got a question for you guys. Let me just pull it up. You keep saying whatever you're saying. Uh, just while you're doing that, I'm just pointing out that Edmonton's first in the entire NHL right now. Are they? Yep. There you go, Ryan. Oh, yeah. They're six and one through seven games. <laughs> Carolina's six and two. Colorado's five zero oh and one. So okay. Do- so here, here's my my buddy. In a uh, different fantasy league, got this trade offer. So my buddy has McDavid and Joel Edmondson, and someone offered him Mark Shifley and Eric Carlson. Yeah, that's gonna be a no for me, dog. No, you don't trade McConnor David. You just don't. You don't. No. In fantasy, you don't. Really? You don't. I told him to make that trade. Who? Sorry, Joel Edmondson is his. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Connor McDavid will probably produce as much as Shifley and Carlson will for fantasy purposes. Connor McDavid no. and whatever player he has on his bench, you have to look at replacement level for for fantasy, right? Because you can't play those two guys in one spot. 
which is essentially what he's... Yeah, you can. You'd switch Edmondson for Carlson. No, Eric no, no. Carlson. I'm saying, like, essentially this trade is Shifley and Carlson for... McDavid. For McDavid. But when you have a guy who can, say, play up to 80% of the value of those two players combined, and you can play him in one spot, it's foolish to split that up. He's well, too if good McDavid gets 150 points, I would say, yeah. But yeah, because here's the thing, too. It's not just mcdavid and edmondson it's because it's one player it's mcdavid and whoever else you're fitting in your lineup that night so because you have just one player there instead of putting in a shifu there you could still throw in like a second line winger for some team let's add arbitrary fantasy value let's say uh carlson and shifley add up to 2.5 in fantasy currency this isn't gonna this is only gonna work because you're saying it's gonna work mcdavid i mean yes Inherently, that's what we do. On You're making podcast. up the data. <laughs> McDavid, I think I genuinely believe his talent level and production will add up to even if it adds up to two. On the, in this fake fantasy currency, you can pick whatever bum you want on your bench and play him for more than point. I guess it also depends how many teams are in your fantasy league. If there's a thousand like ours, oh yeah, and I'm one of your um, available players. Then yeah, maybe not. I thought I said yes because I think the two of them, depending on how your stats work in your fantasy league, could outpace McDavid. I don't. Should we? Do you guys want a regular, like tiny little mini fantasy hockey segment on this show? No. How can ours be interesting because all of the players are taken? Here's the Have thing: Have you looked at our available top fantasy, available players? Fantasy hockey inherently is not designed, or hockey is not designed inherently for fantasy sports. I, I think it's fun, and it's I think you can, you can make it work, but it's just hard. It especially doesn't translate well to big leagues. Like, in fantasy football, any player can go off any week. Taylor Gabriel will get you three touchdowns and then leave the game with a concussion. Aren't um, – I've never played fantasy football. Isn't it mostly driven by your quarterback, running back, and kicker? No. no? It depends on the way your league's set up. If your league is balanced well, every player should have essentially – the same amount of value your kicker is a throwaway but at the same time they can go off and get you like 25 points which okay. is what like a good qb week is okay uh we changed our rules this year so our defenses are just like astronomically important which i don't love but i digress anyways yeah let us know what you guys think about a fantasy i was just when i pulled up to see where edmonton was in the league-wide standings i noticed two really weird things go the new york rangers have only played three games yeah have I've, their schedule's bizarre I think they have like six days off already. Six in a row. I think they had like four or five, at least four well, days off in a row. We're twelve. Day, we're oh, sorry, the Red Wings started late. We're literally over two weeks into the season, and they've played three games. So they've played three times in fourteen days. And the Leafs played like six and eight. Now, yeah. just just a few stop spots below them in the standings is a team that's played eight games. Can we talk about how Dallas is one six and one? Oh, really? Speaking of hot seats. Jeez. Wow. How is a team that, I'm not going to say loaded, but wow, one, six, and one. I, oh, Man, I can't. people are, are talking about them being cup contenders this year. Yeah, we never did our central preview because of things, but man, I was going to have. want that? Let us know if you guys still want a central preview. Yeah, I don't know about Dallas anymore. <laughs> yeah, no, they were going <laughs> to be They're not looking great. Everybody says they're going to be cup contenders. I don't think so. I think Dallas will lose at least six games this year. That's my hot take. Uh, okay. I think they might win one. <laughs> but, um, yeah, 
man, because you look at their top six forwards, they picked up Joe Pavelski, who's been invisible. Jamie Benn, we we all saw his regression coming, but was it going to be this steep? Tyler Sagan is almost carrying that offense single-handedly right now, and it's not carrying him very far. Hayskinen in the game we watched, that dude is unreal. He's so good. They had the best goaltending tandem in the NHL last year. They've got John Klingberg on defense, Hayskinen, a couple other competent bums. Rupe Hintz is really good. Yeah, and he looked great against Detroit, which, you know, whatever. But um, Detroit was objectively the better team that day. Uh, Corey Perry's finally playing for them again. Like, this was the team that was really good last year. And then because of their additions and guys (laughs) like Hayskinen aging – Oh yeah, they should be amazing. They're one six and one. They're a tenth of the way through this season. Yeah, and if you don't stop those losses early, they just start to pile up, and they could be uh, out of it before even December. How rare are five game winning streaks, even for the top teams? And a five game winning streak takes them to five hundred right now. Oh, it's going to be a grind. They're going to have to go on an absolute heater. Uh, the Devils are winless. Jack Hughes is pointless. <laughs> Not pointless, but he is without any points. Um, should if you cite Jack Hughes' plus minus at anything in anything other than a dumb joke, you're stupid and I hate you. People's aversion, like plus minus is a garbage stat. You shouldn't use it to indicate anything. And I know we get a lot of questions. It's like, uh, I know you're not supposed to use this, but no, just don't use it's plus minus. It's a great minus. team indicator. It just don't. Yeah, don't use if, it for an individual player. If everybody's a minus, your team sucks. All of a sudden, there's a lot of people who are conveniently using plus minus, and they think it's the, a, a huge deal when talking about Jack Hughes. But here's the thing. We all saw this coming. We said Jack Hughes is probably going to struggle mightily defensively because of who he is as a player, but he should generate offense. I don't care about his plus minus. I'm concerned about the goose egg after six games. He's not been getting a ton of minutes. He's been playing with, like, Miles Wood, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, he did have one hit both posts on, on the goal line uh, last game. <laughs> when you have a team that was poor one year and in one offseason, you shake up the entire makeup of the team with a ton of players, a ton of different personalities, a ton of different talents. It's going to take a while because that coach wasn't building systems for a successful, talented team prior. He's building sy- systems much like what Jeff Blaschel trying to do. This is the team that they're auditioning for Taylor Hall to resign with. Yeah, it's That's there's a ton the of big one. Um, I'm going to go a little off your point here, though, because I'm going to disagree slightly. New Jersey was bad last year, yes, but they were a playoff team the year before with largely the same core, and they had a healthy Nico Heischer and Taylor Hall that season. Those guys were not healthy for a bulk of last season, which is a big reason why New Jersey regressed. So it's not like we were predicting a basement team to suddenly be good. They were good. Kind of regressed to the mean a little bit, but also got decimated by injuries and thus made them bad. Then they picked up Gusev, Hughes, Subban, and have everybody healthy again. Since that last playoff run, Vatnin as well. Yeah, so I would say that this New Jersey team should be far closer to the iteration of their 17-18 season versus their 18-19. And so far, they're worse than both. Something that baffles me. Why are the big talking heads consistently referring to Wayne Simmons as a major key. Oh, yeah, they picked him up, too. Yeah, but he's he's a bottom six forward now, at best. Right? Like, he he was he an is. afterthought in Nashville last year, even when they were going to the playoffs. It's just pure name value that's dri- or name recognition that's driving that. But even right now, this the, the Rangers and the Devils are playing. It's like halfway through the first period. It's tied. Wayne Simmons already has two more minutes played than Jack Hughes. 
again, I'm not saying Jack Hughes is a savior and he's being wronged and he should get more ice time. No, the kid's a rookie and you have to ease him into it for sure. But Wayne Simmons should not – with all that talent, Wayne Simmons should not be a centerpiece of your team. And I just – John Hines, there's been rumors that he's going to be let go. It turns out that the assistant GM is now going to be on the coach as his assistant. And I say quotes because it's really just – this is upper management saying, hey, go in there and see what the problem is. Is it the players? Is it the coach? Is it something else? So he's very much – being focused on right Gen- now. The, generally, the best way to resolve any major issue in any major company is to give someone in a position of power a babysitter. <laughs> it's worked in the past. Yeah. I can't think of any examples, but I believe it's worked in the past. And in theory, it's just flawless. It's just, it, it doesn't click for me, though, because Hines is someone who's well usually regarded as a good coach. Like He brought that New Jersey team to the playoffs it's been what once in five years for him, though. It's, it's has he been there for five years already? I, uh, quite possibly. I will look that up. I just kind of that's what it seems like to me. Um, the rest of the league, Anaheim is five and two. Vegas is of, four as three. expected. Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, in LA is probably undefeated or something. Uh, twenty fifteen to present, so almost five years. No, LA's. Not good. Well, LA's- the top of the league is Edmonton, Carolina, Colorado, and Buffalo, just like we all predicted. Yes, exactly. Buffalo, good for them. Buffalo is 5-1-1. One, one. Plus 9. Do you have our, our, our predictions, standing predict- not, predictions? Not you, no, I don't even want to glance I f- at those. I think I said Buffalo makes the playoffs. I don't think you were there for like two different divisions. Yes. <laughs> certainly not the Pacific. And certainly not the Central. And that. Yep. So you're right. Do we have uh, anything else before we want to get into overtime? Uh, what's his name was doing peds? Valentin oh. Zikov. Yeah, what was the deal with that? What well, was he busted get... for? So they said he what he said he wouldn't knowingly take performance enhancing drugs, and then George McPhee basically came out and said, "No, we knew you were doing it. This is not a surprise to anyone. You did them." Well, that sucks. Yeah, I don't really remember the last time a team kind of went against one of their players' statements. I could see it if it was protecting the team, for example. Like, you don't want to imply that your team doctors were administering anything or providing any supplements knowingly because these are people's careers and you can't have that. And the league would crack down on that. Um, But I also don't know that full story. Didn't that just drop today? Yeah, like six hours ago. Yeah. And also, like, the statements from from McPhee and everyone else were, like, it's been a little bit hard to follow as to, like, what McPhee actually said. Apparently, at one point, someone misquoted him as saying substances when he said supplements, which is a totally different connotation there. I don't know. Anyways, the guy was doing it. (laughs) Very obviously. a twenty Russian gas, man. Is it 20 games? Yep. 20 games suspension. And he's not appealing it, I guess. Oi. Yeah. So he he's he's done. Yeah, he's just standing there like he can't touch his own shoulder. Just like I don't know what it was. I didn't knowingly take something. Can't <laughs> can't like scratch his back. Uh, um, we're we, gonna... got, we got some more breaking news here on the podcast. Oh man! And uh, in his one hundred and twenty seventh NHL game, Victor Mete has scored a goal. Oh, look at that! Wow, he did it. He wow. finally did it. The madman. Is himself. there a website? Did <laughs> Victor Mete score? Victor's with a K, right? No. No? He's a Canadian Victor Mete. Thank did God. Did Mete score? It's a Twitter account. Did they tweet? They better have. They had one job. 
No, they haven't even tweeted yet. Wow. <laughs> wow. Shame on you, that Twitter account. Bogus. Uh, we're going to get a, a get into overtime, which for this episode of the Wingwheel Podcast is brought to you by Motor City Garages. Uh, they're a family-owned and operated business with over 25 years of experience in the custom garage interior industry. Um, they offer multiple custom garage options, including epoxy flooring, module tile flooring, cabinets, overhead racks, the maintenance and preservation of your top line if you're the Detroit Red Wings, wall storage, and car lifts. They're servicing the metro Detroit area and plan on expanding down the horizon. Enough of messy garages everyone is sick of walking through. It's time to turn it into something useful. Whether you like to work on your car or if you like an organized space, we have you covered. Motor City Garages, park in style. We're going to get over to Patreon. Midweek episodes, we only take Patreon uh, questions for overtime to say thank you. Uh, John Evans says, hello, gentlemen. Greetings from Ohio. I heard that Red Wings broadcast mentioned Phil Pula gave Nielsen a Rolex so we could have his number 51 back. Whoa. Wondered if you all, uh, if you were all NHL players and prominent free agents and wanted your number, what would be your price? Would you go for something nice like an expensive gift or something more service-oriented such as babysitting or having your car washed? Also, I noticed we haven't started a Kickstarter to bring Rowan to the States, so I have an alternative idea. A Kickstarter to bring the podcast to Australia. Just throwing it out there. <laughs> I'm here too for Too many it. spiders, too many snakes. I'm not going. Yeah, I'd sooner bring him here. Yeah. I'll go to New Zealand, and you guys can just call me. You want so us to go into works. his territory? I'm not, yeah, too many Rowans in He'll Australia. That's going to be a no. Um, I'm very fond of the number I had when I played hockey, and I would love to. Like, If I'm imagining myself as an NHL player. Are you 69 or 420? Uh, 420. Hmm. No, I was 14. I was I'm 19, so I can't sign with the Red Wings then. I was double zero. Atta boy. The hate for double zero kills me. I think double zero is hilarious. My, uh, my arguably one of the greatest numbers of all time. My my new number on my new team is in honor of Red Wings legend uh, Luke Witkowski. What did he even wear? I'm 28 now. That is an that's a that's a, bad a number. plug number. That is I'm on the fourth line, man. I am the plug. <laughs> Brad's an energy guy. Who would have thought? <laughs> Everyone. <laughs> have you met him? I keep trying to like signal to Brad during this episode that for some reason that chair is squeaking, so to not move as much. But he's just been shifting relentlessly because he's so full. If of energy. I stay still, no, it's the opposite. If I stay still for a period of time, <laughs> I am going to fall asleep. It's like dividing by zero. Brad's uh, it's still. What what would I give? Assuming I'm just am making an average salary, let's say three million dollars, I'm not going to give like a hundred grand. I give twenty grand I'd for give, what? Sorry, to get the number to get the number. Oh, I'd want... give a Rolex. Yeah, Rolex. Uh, Simon Anderson says, "Hey boys, uh, I was looking at Jonathan Erickson's. Oh, Simon Anderson, I believe is the one. For if I'm getting this wrong, I don't have the paper in front of me. Sent us these awesome uh, Russian nesting dolls, these Red Wings Russian nesting dolls, and it." It's all Red Wings players going all the way down. What? Where are they? Uh, it's at my place. Why I'm not, do you get them? Because it's going to go in the studio. I'm not going to bring more stuff here for, what, a month just to bring it somewhere oh, else. Oh, so we don't get to enjoy it. Is you the, just get to for keep a month. it all for, to yourself. Sitting in my dining room. Is table, the middle man. one a tiny Yuri Hoodler? No, it's all Russians. Oh. Yeah, yeah. And this is old. So we got like Fatisov in there. We got, Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, I'll take pictures of it and post it. Uh, it says, hey, boys, I was looking at Jonathan Erickson's Elite Prospects page, and I realized that this is his 14th year in the organization. And according to Cap Friendly, his estimated career or- earnings is almost $37 million U.S. dollars. Sure isn't bad for a guy who was picked 291st overall and had one point in 81 SHL games before coming over. Can't say that I miss him on the ice that much nowadays, but he sure is a gem. Do you think he'll play it all this year, or is it under the radar Zetterberg slash Hosa thing that they got going on with him all the best? That is incredible. Good for him. Good for him. Oh, yeah. 
I'm all for the worker. Maximize your earnings. Even if you suck, maximize. It's not your job to worry about your employer's pockets. Oh, if someone was going to give be a fool and give me that kind of money, I would too. Absolutely. You don't negotiate down like that chump Connor McDavid. Yeah. What an idiot. Uh, I That was my prediction. And I very may well end up being wrong here. I still don't believe he's going to play a ton of games. Like, he's just been beaten up so much. And to have a soft tissue injury hold you out the most, like, of the start of the season. You guys are calling him something else. You guys are relentless. Every time you say soft tissue, me and Brad look at each other. You know most of your body is soft tissue, right? I wish. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Unfortunately, that's not the case for me. <laughs> I, I didn't think I, I, I didn't think there was any more lanes for you there. I was like, he's exhausted everything he possibly could. Uh, never, never. And then you just hit me with the I wish, and I just like cracked. <laughs> yep. Anyway. Anyways, he might come back uh, sooner than expected. I don't see him playing a ton of games. His he's just beaten down, and that's not an indict. Anyone who's taking that as an indictment on him, look, I've always been one of the first to criticize Erickson. That's not what this is. He's just worn down. Like you said, he's been in the organization for the better or fourteen years at this point. He's not going to play a ton. Uh, Everett Johnson says, "Howdy, partners. You know what time it is. Saddle up and prepare for the revisionist wrangle." Evan and Ryan, you're out walking through the woods somewhere outside of a fictional town in Germany and accidentally travel back to the 2018 NHL entry draft. One of you decides to assure then Red Wings GM Ken Holland that Philip Zadina is a correct player to choose. The other view, the other has recently seen Quinn Hughes' absolute bomb of a shot that resulted in his first NHL goal against the LA Kings and decide to try to sway Mr. Holland to pass on Zadina and select Hughes six overall. Brad, for all intents and purposes, you are Ken Holland. It becomes your job to listen to the cases made by Ryan and Evan and pick a winner. I pick Hughes. No. I I didn't get to pick last time. Oh. Brad, yeah. So yeah. I have to take Philip Zadina? Yeah, you do Zadina first. And I make, No, you go first. You got to right. pick, so I get to go second. All right. So this is... Uh, are we allowed to speak as if we know the future? All right. Ken Holland. I don't know. Ken Holland. Look, I know Zadina is going to be there at number six, and that's going to be amazing because we are all expecting him to go third or even fourth. Zadina is a fantastic talent, but Quinn Hughes, you know how we've been talking about his ceiling if everything goes right? This is how dynamic he could be. By every single measure, that is exactly how dynamic he is. The Red Wings don't have a number one defenseman, and they don't have a number one defenseman that can contribute offensively like how Quinn Hughes can. You have to pick Quinn Hughes. He is exciting. He'll put butts in the seats. He went to Michigan. He is uh, the offensive dynamo on the blue line that we haven't had since Nick Lidstrom. Quinn Hughes will be considered the steal of the draft. I don't know if I actually believe that at pick six. Evan, are you uh, with us? Uh, Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't listening to you because it's all bullshit and it doesn't matter. <laughs> that is a power move right there. Yes. Um, That's his whole argument. That's it. <laughs> who scores, scores goals on the Detroit Red Wings other than Anthony Mantha? I rest my case. <laughs> Dylan Larkin. Ken Holland, what's your choice? Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, Ryan had the better argument there, but I respect the power move, so I'm torn. I can't be mad at you if you choose him because that was a good power move. <laughs> if you talk to every other GM at that draft and Philip Zadina was sitting where we were, they would take him. 
if I'm nitpicking, you made one argument against yourself where you said Quinn Hughes will put butts in the seats. At that time of the draft, nobody would have put more butts in the seats than the high-end scorer falling to All us. Right. If you're going to pick nits, then. I forget what we said about Quinn Hughes. Like We liked him, we, but we, we were low to start, came around. I don't think any of us had him. At, you might have actually haven't had him as your preferred pick. Uh, Brad and I were on Bouchard and Boakfast because they were better. I was on. Perceived better You were on Boakfast. I was on Bouchard. Yeah. Perceived better all around players. Yeah. Which, again, I'm not going to call that right now. Like, that's still. Yeah, no, they've. Boakfast and Bouchard, even though they haven't made the NHL yet, have looked great where they've been. So, yeah, this one, uh, revisionist history on 2018 is actually a touchy subject right now. So, the loser of this one is the one who asked the question (laughs) because I'm upset now. (laughs) He's keeping score, so you do have to make a pick, but I'll let you sort that out on Twitter or if you want to do it now. Hmm. Because it's hard, because like, I know what's happened with both of them since, but uh, there's, you would have needed to make, you picking Hughes was your mistake, because it's hard to talk out of Zadina at that point. I know. So I'm going with Evan on that one. Correct. Matt McKay says, hey guys, with the team in desperate need of a star player, which prospect in the 2020 draft would be the best fit for the team right now? Thanks for the, all that you do and keep up the good work. Uh, Alexi Lafreniere. Yeah, it's Alexi Lafreniere only because he's the best player, but that's also indicative of how good the rest of the draft is because legitimately if the Red Wings pick top five, by all rights right now, that is someone who's going to dramatically increase their team and is someone who has a chance to be the team's best player. I'll even go a step further. The biggest thing the Red Wings forward's lacking right now is a positional whatever right wing, left wing, center aside, is an elite playmaker. Yeah. Alexi Lafreniere is the best playmaker in this draft. Yeah. Uh, the elite playmaker, which we were, again, this isn't talking about who the Red Wings ended up selecting, but that's why we were so high on Trevor Zegras at number six for the Red Wings, because he was perceived outside of Jack Hughes to be the best playmaker in the draft. Yeah. Mind you, I would gladly take a Quinn Byfield as oh, well. Oh, God, yeah. Quinn Byfield positionally is the biggest need because he's a center. But uh, Lucas Raymond and Alexi Lafreniere are the playmakers, so that has to be factored in. I know Red Wings fans aren't going to want to hear it, but like as far as need, out of guys in the top five, Cole Perfetti is probably the least of oh. the Red Wings needs. Yeah. So uh, like I still like the player. I still have him in my top five, but if we're talking strictly needs here... Uh, Eric Jeske says, gents, I'm curious, how long, how do you see the long-term evolution of this overtime segment to be as a podcast grows in popularity and more patrons sign up? It's not hard to imagine the questions and comments will become too many or too cumbersome to reply to each. Uh, even now when you guys get to the segment, I can feel you groan when you see how many questions are in the pipeline. Uh, I do it mostly to make these guys groan because they have no idea coming in. Uh, at least in its current incarnation, I can see overtime's days to be numbered. I know you know this. So what's the plan? Uh, over overtime won't ever go away. No, it's, it's we made we might have to start like picking the five or ten best or something like might that. Might have to talk less before overtime. Maybe overtime, uh, like we do a full overtime once a month, Patreon exclusive. I don't know. There's ideas to be had there. We don't have a plan yet. And don't yeah, don't get too tied into any of those suggestions either. Like that's just we're gonna do options. what makes the community the happiest because the show is us and you guys. Yeah, like that's what makes up the Wind Wheel podcast. So, it's not just us, and we we have no intention of losing sight of that. We could keep it, we could trim it, we could move it. We could I censor don't know. it. We could censor. We only it. censor you. Yeah, Rohan would never get a word in edgewise. Then Stone <laughs> Stone Turkey says, "Hi, Didlio, neighborinos. Ryan, how long have you been a Lions fan? 
I watched the Monday night game with a friend from Cali and was trying to explain what it's like to grow up loving the Lions. That game couldn't have been a more perfect microcosm of watching Lions football. It's mostly heartbreak. I know Brad's a Bills fan, but if Evan is present, curious if he's got a favorite NFL team. I don't care at all about NFL. Thanks for the great show, guys. Stay fresh, cheese bags. Um, I'll be candid here. Uh, I'm a huge Lions fan. I love all Detroit sports. Uh, that developed and grew over time. It's been Red Wings from day one. Like the moment I remember watching, like legitimately one of my earliest memories as a child was watching the Red Wings. Um, the Lions fandom was as I was a teenager and I was just starting to learn and get into football. Um, so I don't have it like for Lions fans who are the same kind of like fans that I am about the Red Wings. I don't have their pain, but I still feel a lot of it. And uh, Monday night was. I actually don't have words. The touchdown that wasn't a touchdown, the two phantom face masks, the uh, non-PI call, although that one's a little... I don't know if Lions fans can complain about that one because Patricia could have challenged it, and he didn't. They wouldn't have overturned it. No, I know. I know, but I'm just saying you got to... You got to stick to your guns, even if it doesn't work out. Explain to me why you guys like football. When I, I watch a I game it's and it's painful. three, let's say it's three hours long, I swear to God, two and a half hours minimum is commercials. I'm going to say this, having watched a lot of Lions football and having watched literal decades of hockey, that was the worst, most offensive officiating I've seen to ever alter a professional sports game in my entire life. The The... Because all the conversations were going around about the non-face masks. I, like, as I watched the game, um, the touchdown that wasn't a touchdown was the most egregious. Because that's automatically reviewed, buddy. You There was a freeze frame of him with the ball, with his knee down at the one-yard line. I think the argument was that he was still jostling and didn't get control until he was inside. But I, I actually was uh, so sick to my stomach. I haven't watched any. Like that one was inconsequential because like obviously you're dreaming if you don't think that the Packers wouldn't have just punched it in on the next play anyway. But still, that one really confused the ever living hell out of me. I, I actually need like a couple weeks before I can talk about this. Like I try to be pretty measured when I watch sports. Is your team supposed to be good? The Lions? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, it's a, it's a weird year because the Lions and the Bills were objectively both supposed to be terrible, and neither of them are. It's weird. Uh, Joseph D'Elia says, hey, boys, when are you going to have our leader, the anti-hero, the man from down under, the legend Rowan on your show? Oh, we have plans for Rowan. Don't you worry. Also, do you guys have any plans for the Grand Rapids meetup? I know Founders is a few blocks from Van Andel. Also, can we trade green for Kyle Quincy? Thanks. Uh, we're still sorting out a specific date for Grand Rapids, but once we know, we will tell you guys first. Nick, uh, Toyas says, hey, mates, do you think it's time for the wings to move on from Athens to see you? Hasn't looked good all year, and with the upcoming prospects, it kind of seems like he's floating in a lame duck period. Why not dangle him to the Penguins and see if they would give up a first for him? He the scores 40 goals easy. The, the Penguins still want to compete, and Athens to plays well and with skill. <laughs> Pair him with Crosby or Malkin, I'm sure the Penguins can find postseason success again. Thoughts? Uh, Athens to is a 25-year-old high-scoring forward with a ton of skill on a rebuilding team. He's the exact type of piece you don't move yeah. in this scenario well unless someone gives us an absurd offer but yeah i couldn't imagine that i happening. would trade larkin if someone gave us the right offer yeah. like, you're not yeah you don't move young talent that's hitting or at least in their prime for anything less than a package i wouldn't even say package athens is not worth a package you're getting a significant impact player in return the only way you move athens to you is if that impact player is at a bigger position of need Center or defense. If Anaheim, or if, if Anaheim's like, hey, straight up, Hampus Lindholm. 
Sure. Yeah. Okay. But I'm not taking Josh Manson in like a fourth round pick. No. Uh, Cody G says, do you guys have a threshold of patrons or sponsors you feel you need to uh, can get before you can do this full time? And how far away are you from that? That is zero to the end. Probably. uh, We are a long way away from it. Yeah. We're a lot closer at this point than I thought we'd be, which is awesome. So thanks everybody for that. I'll tell you this. It's got, it's, we're not close. I'll tell you this, this show, things came in this order for the show. Like we started doing the show consistently. The show had like received success or has like demonstrated success because of you guys, the listeners. And that surprised us. And then we upped our effort. And with the amount of time and effort, there was this weird little limbo period where we all were just kind of looking at each other and going, is this something that we can sustain? Cause it's a lot of time. And what you guys have done is, you know, this isn't going to become a full-time job for us, or at least not anytime soon, but what you've done is make this more than worth it for us. Uh, and that's what your continued support allows us to do. And not only that, we can genuinely improve the show. And and yeah, and Ryan doesn't mean that by saying we're just lining our pockets. No, no, no. It would horrify you guys to see what we've spent on audio equipment and a camera in, in recent weeks. Yeah, like, um, but what? that's why everything's been getting so much better lately. Yeah, the the ability for us to, you know, us drop well over a grand on video equipment and invest in a lighting system thanks to Daniel Lighting and, you know, upgrade our audio equipment and buy stuff for a studio and be able to, to do all these giveaways, like a jersey giveaway that's coming. We gave away like 20 shirts at the meetup, like thousands of pieces of swag we've given away, run these meetups, buy you guys food and drinks, like – and – just make it like be able to pay our own gas to get here because <laughs> like we all have to drive into Brad's place and then soon like drive into my place. That's what makes it. That's what you guys allow us to do. So that's what we're fo- focusing on now. If that comes down the road, you will find nobody happier about that than us. Uh, speaking of uh, and another thing too, just um, some advice for the little kids of, that are listening to the podcast. If you want to make a lot of money when you get older, sell audio and video equipment. <laughs> my God. Uh, and then he goes on to say, congrats on getting Mac for the interview. I feel like he can be a gateway for you guys to get other big names on the pod. That's the plan. Um, we've had a few guys of his caliber, but that's the most Stanley Cups we've ever had on the show. So that he's definitely by far and away. We can't wait to like record with him in person. We're so pumped to hang out with Darren. Just your average Teej says, what's up with Dub Dub or what's up Dub Dub hosts? Quick question for you guys. What's the worst version of the Wings jersey? Oh, that's got to be the the stadium series, right? With the they haven't box. really had a bad iteration of jerseys. I think that one's the least good. Like, I think I'm going back to the Cougars or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, the Colorado the Colorado one. Yeah, that one. Yeah, that one was jersey was fine, but it's my least favorite of everything I, they've. Had. I was fond of it because it was different and it was neat. But like the modern D, the white gloves, the big thick angled stripe was all just. You can make an uh, an argument that it's objectively bad. I liked it because it was fun and we have such good jerseys all the time, so I'm not too concerned. But yeah, that one's definitely it. And I think Rowan said the exact same thing with a little bit more candidness. Hannah Lee says, hey, guys, the highlight of seeing the Wings play in Vancouver was that nice Larkin goal. We had uh, great seats left of the Canucks zone. Mantha is huge. I've seen him play live before, but I usually sit in the upper bowl at Rogers Arena. That upper bowl sucks as there are railings in front of the seats. Being five rows back was awesome. Chalowski looked a little lost at some points of the game. I really want him to do well. He just didn't look good on Tuesday. Quinn Hughes seems to already be a fan favorite. Every time he touched the puck, people were expecting something great from him. Patterson is super exciting to watch. The Canucks seem to be going the right direction with their younger players. Hopefully the Wings will as well. If Blash is going to blender the lines, put Athanasiu on the top line for a game to get him going. 
Unfortunately, we don't have enough good players to run two strong lines right now. Everything Hannah said in that comment was exactly correct, right? Yes. Uh, Hannah just got two uh, blue healer puppies, <laughs> and we post them on Twitter. Help her go name them. Or Hannah, tell us what the names are. Kwaz says, hey, guys. Bert I just- and Ernie. I got back to Saint uh, from St. Louis on Monday. Yes, I flew a jet there and back. No, not alone. I got to catch game two of the NLCS. 120 bucks uh, US ain't bad for a ticket. What? How? And I realized how absurd it was that the Tigers didn't win a World Series. Why do you got to do this, man? With Verlander, Scherzer, Price, and Sanchez. Good grief. I know Brad trumpeted that we won't get through the season without injuries. Uh, but what even is this defensive core? St. Louis is pretty lit, too. Worth a trip if you can go when a sports event is scheduled. Uh, Garrett TV says, my dudes, kudos on the DMAC interview, and thanks for asking my question about instant replay and video review. Hey, man, DMAC answered one of your questions. Stick taping time. Did you boys read the Jason Bourne athletic article about stick taping? If not, the too long didn't read is, you're doing it wrong. To prove that, answer these few stick taping questions and have a look at what Jason said in his article. Heel to toe or toe to heel? I always go heel to toe. Heel to toe. Yes. I uh, hear. I know the argument for going toe to heel, but I don't agree with it. Uh, open heel or taped heel? Uh, I tape one inch from the heel. Oh, God. I just I just hope it goes on straight. <laughs> tape heel. Yeah. Edge to edge banding or overlap? Overlap. Edge to edge, dude. Come on. You need puck feel. You don't want a sponge on your stick. Overlap. I overlap. Yeah. That's objective. Overlap, wrong. and then you use a puck to, to mash it down. No. Stick wax, you monster. Half rip or full width tape? Full width. Full width. Double width. (laughs) Double it again. Wax or no wax? Wax. Oh, yeah. Yeah, wax if I have it. If I don't have it, I whatever. Yeah, I don't care. At the end of the day, I don't care. I'm just going out there to drink a beer. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Most importantly, white tape or black tape? White tape. Black to hide the puck. Black. White for peripheral vision and to hide the angle of the stick if you're a shooter. Uh, We'll have to go uh, and read that after. Rowan, I am like, I have to read this now because like stick taping is like a... Oh, thing of mine. And we didn't talk about this. We talked about how Heronic, it looked like he had no tape. It turns out he does have these, uh, those uh, shaped stick grips that like basically stick right onto the the face in the back of the blade. So he's not actually taping his stick anymore? There's these like these special grips. Those have been, I don't know what the material is or like what the, the grippiness is like, but they've had those for a long time. It's working. The first ones were awful. Yeah. They were just terrible. Yeah, no. Uh, but so, these are probably pretty good. Yeah, someone pointed them out. Um, there's a lot of different brands, so I want to know specifically what one, but a few people pointed that out. Rowan says, good day, dud duds. Well, the Lions game gave me the big sads, but it probably prepares me for the incoming awful officiating in the Rugby World Cup quarterfinals. The announced the refs shortly after in the Wallabies versus England game has drawn the absolute worst of the bunch. Probably going to need to tie a stay fresh cheese bag around my own head. When Sporps is misery and Stay Fresh Cheese Bags offer you the escape to the land of peace and harmony via suffocation. I got dark. Stay Fresh Cheese Bags, a Fournier company, and miserable Sporps fans' choice of the self-checkout. Oh, man. Colorful. <coughs> How much are we all looking forward to playing the McDavid's on the second night of a back-to-back? That's a big yikes. Anyways, people clamored for the kids to be brought up from Grand Rapids to apparently fix this. And I'm in the opposite camp. Don't expose them to the mess until you have to. Let them get heaps of good in Grand Rapids first. The science on this checks out. Trust me. I'm uh, the same mind. I'm with you on that Just one. Keep them as far away as possible. Yes. Did you know that if you rearrange the, <laughs> the letters in Brad Crisco, you get... <laughs> Did you know if you rearrange the letter? I hate... I love these. I don't know why they make me laugh so much. You know if you rearrange the letters of Brad Crisco, you get... <laughs> You get Yox Darbic. 
<laughs> what the hell is that? <laughs> Which is Polish for undercover cop. <laughs> that's Good incredible. Did someone fact check that? But I hope that's true. I, it has to be wrong, right? Like, that, there's no way. He, he's calling our bluff that we're not going to fact check it, and he's right. Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast, hosted by Ryan, Hannah, Evan Lobsinger, and Yox Darbic. I'm looking it up. How do you spell it? <laughs> Who knows? Oh, why? Well, you have, to say, you why, have the letters. You have the letters in front of you. <laughs> I can't see through the tears. Y O K S. Y O K S. Jesus. D A R R B K. Say that again slower. D A D A R R R R B K. You work with data, don't you? Know long strings. Is this of, one word or two no, words? No, two. Yox is one word. <laughs> Stupid. Jersey time. Caps have had some cool jerseys over the year. Best one. Go. Oh, uh, the ones they were rocking when we were playing them in the 98 Cup Finals. The the Diving Eagle. Uh, those are good. Those are up there. They had a recent jersey. That's uh, not real. No, no it's not. No. Who no. who would have could have guessed? No, I want to look these up. It's a most. It's a very recent third jersey that they wore, and I think it's one of the most the, perfect. The iteration. outdoor one against Chicago? Uh, I didn't love those ones. I hope that's not your answer. It's their third jersey right now with the white shoulders, the capitals, the stars. No, no, so no, that's no. Their, that's their throwback, sorry, sorry, man. sorry. No, their... no, no. The outdoor one with the W. I love that one. Oh, I didn't. I didn't like that one. I liked. I liked their mid '90s ones. Then the originals. Then I guess I'd go these ones, and then their current iteration. I don't love. Their... They've had a lot of good jerseys. I don't like their current ones though. The Niebler says, "Hey boys, going to the game in Calgary tonight." <laughs> Hoping for a better performance than the one in Vancouver the other night. Uh, I was watching that game with a Leaf fan, and they asked me if we had any other players on the team other than our first line. Sadly, we don't yet. Insert guy here. Should be a good game tonight, though. Usually, we get a big fan base out at the Saddle Dome. I'm heading up to Edmonton tomorrow for the back-to-back. That's awesome. Even if we suck, it's worth the price of admission just to watch McDavid. Yes. Looking uh, out in the schedule, it looks like the Red Wings will be staying overnight in Edmonton, so maybe I'll run into some players having a night out. I got lucky a few years ago when they stayed overnight and I ran to Mrazik and Tatar at the casino and I lost over $100 just so I can play blackjack with them. Have you guys done anything stupid like spend money or go out of your way to see a celebrity? Okay. No. I have a little bit of a a braggy story. So I have a a friend who's a musician. He's pretty successful. His name's Billy Rafool. You guys might know who he is. No free ads. Um, Yeah, and you said that so fast nobody understood it anyway. uh, So – Oftentimes when he plays concerts, like he he played a festival in London and Kings of Leon were the headliners. So we get to go, you know, backstage where the artists are after and just hang out. And the general rule is act like you've been there before. Um, and I do. You know, I met the guys from um, uh, who's who sings Son of a Bitch. Um, oh, um, did, uh, Nathaniel Rateliff. And, yeah. And the yeah. Night Sweats. Yeah. I uh, met Nathaniel Rateliff. I've met um, – the Kings of Leon. One of them is married to the Victoria's Secret model. I can't remember what her name is. Very, like all amazing, like awesome people. He absolutely remembers the name of the Victoria model. And no, he's I just don't. not saying it. And the, definitely the one person who I saw there was Liv Tyler. And I saw Liv Tyler. And I was like, I have to go. Right. You don't watch Lord of the Rings that many times. I absolutely went and fangirled over Liv Tyler and made her take a picture with me. And um, you don't even have the picture. I do. I have it. I'll show it to you guys. <laughs> Okay. Is, I was dressed I like a buck. Oh yeah, yeah. No, she like she was amazing. She was so sweet about it, but it's definitely something I shouldn't have done. It's probably why I haven't been backstage since. <laughs> you are dressed like every Italian that hangs out in the downtown Pizza Pizza in Kitchener in that Th- picture. Thank you. I think. 
<laughs> Jer- That's not a compliment. <laughs> Jeremy Dahl says, hey, handsome gents. I just signed up on Patreon about two months ago. Hey, thanks, man. Uh, so my first time writing in. I'm just blown away by how awesome you all are. I look forward every week to listening. Joining uh, late, I even shotgunned about a year's worth of episodes to catch up. That is Holy what? Jesus. Jeremy, why? We love you. Um, I love your dynamic and insight into hockey. You're all funny, uh, motherfuckers. I'm new to hockey, wrestled growing up, and never followed any of the big sports. I bartend for work and was always put under a ton of pressure to try and follow sports for my job. Oh, that's why he likes to see bartends. He's just hammered all the time. Uh, after years of fighting, I gave it a try. I chose to follow the Wings and Penguins. Michigan has uh, one of the best wrestling programs, and Kurt Angle comes from Pittsburgh. What a legend. Uh, it only took me a week to realize I hate crybaby Crosby and Zetterberg was a man. Uh, this guy gets it. <laughs> that was the year he came back early from his back injury at the Olympics to play in the playoffs against Boston. Love his professionalism and his toughness. First jersey I bought was 40. Captain, and it was sad when he had to retire so quickly. I usually watch with my dad. Great chance for us to bond. He's my best friend. He's a longtime hockey fan and always tried to get me into the Canucks, but he stopped watching in 94 after having his heart broken too many times. And like the great man he is, he now cheers for the wings with me. What a man. I even got him his first jersey, Larkin. Unfortunately, we missed all the good years and are watching this painful rebuild. Thank God Eisman is back. We usually listen to your podcast on our road trips to games. My goal is to see the Wings play in every arena. So I, so far, I've crossed off eight. Man, this guy, I don't care if you got into the game late. You are a true diehard Red Wings fan. He's gone to more arenas than I have, and I'm going to watch it since I was four. Anyways, a bit late writing you uh, our take, but was in. Uh, we were in Montreal for the home opener, and the atmosphere was awesome. We had terrible seats, but there wasn't a bad one in the house, honestly. Watching that first line is amazing, and Mantha having previously... Uh, been MR dolled, my dad. Doghouse played his way out. Uh, Abby was also surprisingly good and managed to also find his way out. Athanasiu, Green, and Nemeth, however, skated their way into it. Heronic was awesome as well. Loved watching the crowd getting more and more deflated as the wings pulled ahead and the arena emptied with minutes left still. Great experience. So keep up the great work. I look forward to it every week. You guys are hilarious, entertaining, and informative. Love, love your stuff and look forward to supporting you for years to come. Cheers to Brad, Ryan, and sometimes Evan. <laughs> I, I know we say this a lot, but you guys genuinely make us so stupidly happy. And that's the corniest thing I could possibly say. But that just feels so good to hear. And I'm so happy you're enjoying yourself so much as a Red Wings fan because that is so hard to do right now. <laughs> uh, P.S. I know you love dogs. I'm not good with computers. Tell me how to send you pictures of mine. Ravage and Phoenix. Yes, there are Wings fans too. Oh, man. Uh, literally, however, if you have to Twitter, email, them, email, Facebook, we don't care. You can send, mail them to us. Yeah. Dogs. Yeah. Physical, physically mail them. We'll always take dog pictures. And we're not talking about the pictures. You can just send us the dogs. Uh, thank you all for listening. Thank you all for tuning in to this week's episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast. Uh, we will be back with you this Sunday. Uh, we do have some uh, news. I think believe Sunday is when we're going to do our jersey giveaway to celebrate 200 patrons. Yay! And we'll also have decided and announce our next patron goal there in our next giveaway. We, ha- we have? We will? No, we will have. We will have. Yes. Okay. I like telling these guys our plans. <laughs> We're doing it live. We're doing it live. Uh, and Settle then down, Bill O'Reilly. This podcast is going to get enough lawsuits. We're going to... Yeah, there's just going to be a lot coming your way. So stay tuned. If you haven't listened to the Darren McCarty episode, please do. Thank you to all of our name-level sponsors of this podcast. Sky Carcass, Luke Johnson, Arjun Shanker, Clayton Van Dyken, Mike Reed, Langabeer, Matthew M. Rice, Sean Levine, Matt McKay, Hannah Lee who just became another a brand new top, top, top level sponsor. And she's been a name level sponsor for so long. So thank you, Hannah. Kaylin Wood, Jacob Turner, brand new name level sponsor. Charlie Elkins, John Evans, Antonio Lupu, Ian Bush, Rob Thiel, Craig Kibble, Stan Olson, Ryan Lewis, Mike DiLoretto, 
and Simon Anderson. Thank you, Simon, so much. Thank you all. We love you, and we will see you in a few days. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.